Well, thank you, Don and the worship team. Uh, I'm Jonathan Lasco. I work here as the Associate Director of Missions and Outreach. I'm grateful to be here with you all. And so a lot of my work involves working with ministries like our, our food bank, our community meal, our guest house ministry, our school partnerships. And so today's theme is service. And when I was uh, told that I would be preaching on this theme, I'll admit I felt, I felt kind of confident. I was like, I've been doing this for some time. I have a number of stories. Like, this should be a good alignment. And then I, I remembered a recent experience that, that humbled me a bit in the way I think I needed. I was at the community meal on Monday nights, and uh, I was just enjoying our meal. And then one of our volunteers asked me if I could help out one of our guests. And this guest told me that she was looking for a place to stay for the night. She was experiencing homelessness. She didn't have a phone. So I said, yeah, sure. Let me uh, call some places and I'll help you out. And so I thought this would be a pretty easy process. I've done it before. And uh, I start calling 211 and other kind of organizations that I thought could help out. And eventually I get a list of some um, organizations and I'm calling them one after another. And I'm not getting nothing. I'm not getting anything. And and. I'm like, okay, this is getting a little harder than I thought. And so I think of other organizations, and I'm calling different other shelters, and nothing's working out. And it's 6.30 in the evening, and I'm like, it should be a lot easier to, for someone to, to get some shelter. And um, eventually I had to go to Tracy and tell her, hey, I'm really sorry. I, I really did try to, to get you a place or find something for you, and I, and I couldn't. And she was gracious, she understood, and she fortunately met a friend at the meal who was going to help her out. But after she left, I was a bit rattled. I was like, I'm, I'm, I'm the missions guy here. I'm supposed to be able to help this gal. I'm supposed to at least help her get connected to, to something. And I think what was humbling wasn't just so much that I was unable to, to serve her, but this recognition that my world and her world was, was still far away. There was this distance that I was confronted with. I had assumed that this was going to be easy, and yet because of my distance from her world, I didn't realize the, the challenges of her reality. And so our scripture that we read um, today makes it clear that following Jesus means serving others. But I think for many of us, the challenge isn't just that we're serving enough, we don't care enough. That may be part of it, but I think the real challenge is our lives have been shaped in such a way that they have pulled us away from those we are called to serve. It's created this distance. In other words, the the problem isn't just so much the lack of effort, but the lack of proximity, the, the lack of closeness, the lack of genuine relationships and yet the good news we, we see in our scripture today is that because Jesus chose to serve us, to, to move close to us, to establish this kingdom of service that we can serve others with humility and with hope. And so responding faithfully to this call of service is how we provide a powerful witness to uh, the community, each other, and to God. And so as we explore this more today, I will invite you to, to pray with me. God, thank you for your word, your invitation to service. Thank you for the ways that it challenges us. It makes us uncomfortable, and yet it's also gracious. Thank you, God, that you meet us where we're at. And so as we um, are here this morning, may we just listen to what you're saying, be attentive, have the humility to not only hear what you're saying, but to respond faithfully to whatever that may look like. It's your name we pray. Amen. And so last week, Pastor Richard, he preached about formation, how our call to follow Jesus is, is shaped by these habits where we're meant to cultivate, to, to make us more like Jesus. And service, particularly service to the vulnerable, is an important part of that formation. In, in Galatians 2.13, Paul says, My brothers and sisters, you were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. And so Paul here is just affirming what Jesus said in our scripture, that service to one another is central to our calling uh, as followers of Jesus. 
I think for many of us, this isn't a new revelation. Um, I think we recognize, at least intellectually, service is important, service is good. And yet there's this distance, there's this disconnect between what we understand intellectually and how we're to live that out. And so I think it's helpful for us today to first look at what are the challenge or maybe the challenges of service as we try to follow Jesus. And so in our Matthew scripture, Jesus asked two of his disciples, can you drink the cup I'm going to drink? And so these two sons, James and John, they had just asked for positions of power and authority in his kingdom to sit at his right and his left. And Jesus is like, hold up, do you actually know what you're asking for? In other words, you're talking big talk, but can you actually back that up? And to their credit, the brothers are like, no, we're, we're serious. We're about it. And as I read this, I'm like, I'm hesitant. You know, I, I think I'm inclined to judge them. Maybe they're being naive. But another part of me respects their effort. It respects the hustle. I remember when I was in, in college and uh, I was a freshman and I was at home at Federal Way. And my parents were at a party with some of their work friends at World Vision. And um, World Vision is a Christian humanitarian organization, and I was just there because my parents made me, but little did I know, my mom was scheming, talking to her friends, trying to get me an internship. And I was kind of embarrassed because I was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe my mom is trying to hype me up, like, and I, I can't, like, you know, I can do it myself. Um, but that did not deter my mom from getting her son an internship. And so next thing I know, I was talking to the director of child protection at World Vision International, and that led to a couple summer internships, which I'm very grateful for. So thank you, mom. You were right. <laughs> and so I relate to this story. I read this, mo- this story about the mom and her sons, and I'm not trying to, I shouldn't be judgmental. I recognize that they are working within the cultural paradigms of, of their world. And it's very understandable what they're doing. And yet Jesus' response here is so interesting. He, he says, okay, like you'll drink from my cup. It's not for me to say if you'll sit on my right or my left. And then the other the apostles hear this and, and they're, they're not having it. They're upset. They're like, how are you going to be given power to these dudes, but not to us? And so Jesus kind of gets them together and, and sets them straight. He says, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles, they love showing off their authority. Their leaders love ruling over uh, others, but that's not how it's going to be with you. And so we should recognize that Jesus begins his response to the apostles, not first by talking about service, but by calling out the dominant cultural powers of his day. He, he highlights the way these powers operate according to a particular logic. A logic says, if you want to succeed, if you want fulfillment, if you want to be great, you've got to move upwards and rule over others. That's the path to the good life. And so this is the logic of Jesus' day, and he recognizes if his disciples are going to follow him, they have to identify this logic and resist it. And so as we think about our own challenges to service, what are the cultural logics of our own day that make service so difficult? I think we can easily list a variety of upcultural forces that get in our way of becoming people of service. And I'm not saying this in a judgmental way, just something that really shapes all of us. We can think of our, our culture of hyper-individualism that makes it really difficult for us to even know our neighbors. A culture of busyness and hustle that makes it uh, difficult to, to even have time to serve our neighbors a culture of this upward mobility that makes it difficult for us even to see our neighbors. And so these cultural powers may not look exactly the same as the ones in Jesus' day, but they have a similar effect. They're pushing and pulling us upward, forming us into people who may not necessarily hate serving or hate people we, we serve, but rather are just too busy, just too far away relationally, emotionally, geographically. Yet Jesus calls us to live differently. 
He calls us to a countercultural, lifelong act of resistance that goes against the upward pull of our culture and makes the costly decision to follow him on a downward path, what Henry Nouwen calls downward mobility. And so if we're going to become a culture who actually lives this way, we can't just rely on our own efforts. It's not the invitation that Jesus makes. He asks, can you drink the cup I'm going to drink? And in verse 28, he says, for the son of man, referring to himself, did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life to liberate many, as the common English Bible translation reads. Notice how Jesus connects our call to service with his own service. And so if we want to understand how we're going to overcome our cultural challenges of service, we have to look more closely at Jesus and his kingdom of service that makes our service possible. So first, Jesus' service makes our service possible by going before us and showing us what it should look like. Not just the particular acts of service, but the kind of movement it requires. In Philippians 2, Paul describes this movement and how Jesus uh, walked it. He describes Jesus who, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing. Taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. And so Jesus didn't just say, go serve, good luck, I'm going to hang out here. Instead, he perfectly embodied the downward movement of service. It's also important to recognize Jesus didn't just show us service. He wasn't just a role model or just an inspiration or just an example. I think he actually did something much more transformative. He he created a new reality, a new kingdom of service. And uh, he, 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 in scripture, he calls out the powers of his culture, but then identified a different power hierarchy in which the first are going to be last, the least will be the greatest. And throughout this ministry, he's constantly talking about it. But he didn't just talk about it, he demonstrated it, this, this reversal. In the Philippians text that we read, Paul goes on to say that after Jesus died on the cross, God exalted him to the highest place. And so on the cross, it looked like Jesus was done for. He was humiliated by his enemies. He was rejected by his friends. And yet, in this downward movement, he defeated the dark powers of the world. He liberated us from the powers of sin and the powers of our world. And so even though these dark powers still linger, they're still kicking, they're still biting, we are invited to see with eyes of faith a new world in which we can be a part of. I think often our, our theology of service is too small. We, we think of service as something more than, something, nothing more than Jesus served, so I got to do it too. And I'm not saying this is exactly wrong. It's just incomplete. It gives us too much credit as if doing what Jesus did was an easy thing. And it actually minimizes the cosmic significance of what Jesus' service accomplished. Maybe a hiking trail would, or hiking uh, analogy may um, be appropriate for this group. I think following Jesus is often understood similar to hiking on a mountain. And there's a variety of trails before us, and we're unsure which one to go. And Jesus goes before us, and we follow him on that right trail. And, and then I think it's actually more like we're on a frozen tundra, and it's lifeless, it's barren, we're lost, there's no landmarks. And then Jesus comes before us, and the whole landscape starts transforming before our eyes. A forest emerges, brimming with animal life and vegetation. And Jesus doesn't just invite us to walk along a path that already existed, but to join him into this new land that he was launching into existence. Not just to live in this land, but to participate with them in bringing about its flourishing. This is a land that you didn't even think was possible. It doesn't even make sense according to the rules that you're used to, but in a real powerful way, feels more true, more beautiful than anything we've been a part of. 
And so service to Jesus in this kingdom of service, in this creation of service is, is much more than just trying to imitate Jesus. It requires a particular kind of imagination that Walter Brueggemann calls prophetic imagination, which draws upon the tradition of the prophets who spoke to God's vision of creation, lamented how far we've fallen short of that vision and calls us to repent and participate in God's work of redemption. I want to say that in light of the recent wave of mass shootings in cities like Buffalo and Uvalde this week, this kind of imagination is so important for us as Christians. As Ali spoke to uh, in, in the beginning of our service, many of us feel grieved, confused, scared, angry, overwhelmed in light of these tragedies and injustices. And so as Christians living in God's kingdom, we can see, we can recognize how the gun violence, the racism, the hate in our society falls so falls so far short of God's intention for creation. We lament, we cry out for God's mercy, but we also pray that God would stir and mobilize us toward hopeful service for a better world. So imagining our citizenship in God's new creation allows us to properly grieve the violence and death that breaks God's heart, but also to avoid despair and hopelessness, as well as the, the prayers that maybe bring hollow and cliche to a hurting world. Instead, we hold together heartful lament with meaningful service for change. In the midst of so much suffering and evil around us, we need to imagine that a different world is possible. Because in Jesus, not only is that world possible, but it's already here. So how do we live, live in this kingdom of service? In short, with humility and with hope. We live with humility by recognizing that we didn't do anything to deserve to be a part of this kingdom, didn't do anything to launch it to existence. Instead, we humbly embrace because of Jesus' great love for us, our great need for salvation, that he chose the downward path to rescue us from our enslavement to sin. In humility, we become so moved by this movement that we respond with gratitude expressed in service to others. And we also live with hope. Hope that the same Jesus who went before us is also walking alongside of it, encouraging and empowering us to follow him through our service. We live with hope that our service is not in vain, but will be a part of God's new creation. I love how N.T. Wright describes this kind of hope. He writes, every act of love, gratitude, and kindness, every work of art or music inspired by the love of God and delight in the beauty of creation... Every minute spent teaching a severely handicapped child to read or to walk, every act of care or nurture, of comfort and support for one's fellow human beings and for that matter, one's fellow non-human creatures. All of this will find its way through the resurrecting power of God into the creation that God will one day make. And I would add that is already here. Friends, this is the logic of God's new creation, God's new land. When we follow Jesus on this downward path and serve with humility and with hope, We do so as citizens of this new land, according to the powers and logic of God's kingdom and not of this world. In God's kingdom, we rule not as our cultural does, but the way Jesus rules, by serving others. And so this brings us now to the witness of service. If Jesus' service and downward path makes our service possible, what does it look like? What do people actually see in this kind of service? Well, first, this service provides a powerful witness to our wider community, our church actually had a women's shelter, um, and it was in our chapel basement. For four nights a week, we would host up to 12 women experiencing homelessness. And unfortunately, because of reasons related to the pandemic, we were unable to, to continue this ministry. It has been modified into the guest house ministry that I've talked about and love. And yet, I, I missed this ministry. It was something special to it. And 
I remember about five years ago when I began here as an intern, and part of my internship required learning about the ministries I was going to be a part of, and I remember riding the shuttle, the shuttle bus that we would take from the church to downtown to pick up our guests and then take them back to church. On the way back, I'm sitting on the shuttle bus, and I'm overhearing a conversation in front of me. And one of the gals, she's telling her, her neighbor all about the ministries and the, and the shelters in the area and talking about Bethany's the best one because, and this is her words, because the people there treat you like you're human. Our service as part of a downward path of following Jesus is a powerful witness to the humanity and the, and the dignity of people that our society has treated as less than human. Our service should witness to God's great love and care for those at the bottom of our social hierarchy. And our service witnesses to a different kind of hierarchy, a hierarchy in which the least are seen as the greatest and most valuable because that's how God sees them. And so service also provides a witness to ourselves as we experience the service of one another. As a faith community marked by service, we need to be a community who regularly allows ourselves to to be served as a reminder that our service to others is is an expression, a humble response of the service that we have already received and continue to receive. A few years ago, I decided to sign up to receive care from a Stevens minister. And I was going through a difficult time in my life. I I didn't know what to do and um, just felt like I needed someone to, to, to listen to me. And I was matched with um, my now friend, his name's Andrew Howe. I didn't, he was, we weren't friends before. He was here at the 8 a.m. Um, and it turns out he lived just a few blocks away from where I lived. And so for months, every Wednesday morning, he would walk to my house, he would meet me, and for the next hour, we would just walk down the street, and I would share how I was feeling, what I was going through, and he would just listen, ask questions, offer some comments every now and then, but really just create a space for me to be listened to and cared for. And so Andrew served me. And in so doing, he, he reminded me my, my identity, our identity, is not just shaped by how we serve, who we serve, but how we're able to receive service. And, and it was hard for me to receive service. I was embarrassed. I didn't want to admit it. Because service, it, what it does, it confronts us. It confronts, receiving service, it confronts us with our limitations, our weaknesses, our, our dependencies, Perhaps it's easier for us to to serve others than to to receive service, but because receiving service is so humbling, because because it's so humbling that it it shapes us into people who are able to serve without the kind of pride and arrogance that sometimes a service can look like. Without this kind of humility, we end up just reinforcing the, the power dynamic between the server and the recipient, and we're unable to move toward mutuality. One of the things that I just so appreciate about the way Andrew served me is he did so with a posture of companionship. He literally walked alongside me as an equal, caring for me, but not in a paternalistic way. He wasn't treating me like a child. He gave me space to figure out what I was feeling and what I wanted to do about it. And this kind of witness, this kind of service really shaped my own view and, and experience of service. And so finally, our service should be a witness to God. And in Matthew 5.15, Jesus says, In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. When I was in college, I once volunteered with um, the Union Gospel Mission, and they had the search and rescue team, which were vans that would go around the city, meeting folks experiencing homelessness, offering practical needs, inviting them to, to a ride to the shelter if they wanted, and I was just there out of curiosity. And I remember one of our stops, we, we talked with the gal, and she was just sharing a bit about her experience. And at one point, she, she stops and just asked us, like, why are you guys doing this? Like, 
Like, why are you out here? And I remember thinking, like, that, that's a good question. Like, it's, it's pretty cold out. And, and I paused. And then at the risk of giving a cliche Christian answer, like, all I could say was, like, it, it's, it's because of Jesus. Sometimes we get so caught up serving as something we're supposed to do, we forget it's supposed to point to something, someone beyond ourselves. And, and this can be hard for me, I'll admit, because sometimes I want service to make me look good. Or at least make my church look good, and then I can look good by association. And yet our service, we recognize, ultimately points back to God and God's service of us. We, we serve with humility, recognizing that it doesn't really matter if no one sees or praises our good works. Just trusting that God will see that service, and it will faithfully reflect and point to him. I'm thinking of the volunteers who regularly wash dishes at our community meal. They're in a corner in our CLC kitchen next door, and hardly anyone sees them. And they're there faithfully, scrubbing dishes, scrubbing pots and pans. And it's this kind of quiet, humble service that, for me, really demonstrates the kind of witness to God, uh, who, who God is and how God is at work in our world. It's one of the main critiques of service that I, I think is fair, is that often our service is reduced to these individual acts of charity that doesn't lead to transformational, long-lasting relationships. And yet the hidden power of service, I think, isn't just the service itself, but how the service puts us in closer proximity to the people in our community, learning about their gifts, learning about also their challenges, the injustices they face. For the past few years, I have been volunteering as a mentor to a seventh grader at Robert Eagle Staff. Um, He lives just uh, half a mile away. And we were connected with YouthWise Mentoring, which is uh, one of our local partners. And as a mentor, I try to meet with him about once a week. Our, our outings are pretty simple. Usually we'll go to a park and play, maybe go get something to eat, an occasional museum visit. But like I said, pretty simple. And I have loved serving in this way. It, it brings me a lot of joy. It feels a meaningful way to be a part of my community. And yet there's been times when it's been really difficult. And I, and I wonder, am I even having an impact Without a doubt, the most frustrating part is sometimes what can feel like an ongoing struggle to, to get a hold of my mentee and connect and set up a, a time for us to, to meet. There are weeks where I feel like I'm calling multiple times, texting a ton, and just not getting a response. To give you an idea, uh, I have a picture of a couple screenshots. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you, you can put that down. You can put, clearly, I can't take a hint. Um, I'm not trying to put him on blast. I'm not trying to like, be unfair. He's a good kid. He's gotten better at replying to my texts. We, we're working on that. My main point is that service can be challenging in these ways. There have been times where I seriously doubted and was like anxious. I'm like, I don't know if he wants to be my mentee anymore. And, and that was sad. And we worked through that. And fortunately, he still does. And, and we're good. But it can be hard to feel that my efforts weren't appreciated or reciprocated in the way I, I had hoped for. And yet mentoring... Meeting with someone every week for three years, that's going to change you. And I've learned to, to know my mentee, to, to, to love him. I, I know that he was born in Honduras. I know he came to the U.S. when he was three. I know he, he has a phenomenal older brother to his siblings, his younger siblings, who we often have to take care of after school on weekends because his mom is working a second job. I know that even though he doesn't really love school, he works hard, harder than maybe I give him credit for he showed off his, uh, his report card and his phone last week and three A's, three B's. And 
we, we've talked about going to college before. I've shared about my own experience. And I remember one day I'm driving home. We're talking about college. And I'm telling about the cost of it and how it's pretty expensive. But I was fortunate to receive some federal grants that helped me pay for it. And then I remembered, again, I hope that if he ends up going to college, that he would receive those grants. But then I remembered, because he wasn't born here, and, and for some other legal reasons, he, he doesn't qualify for that federal aid. And it just made me sad to think of him growing up, working hard, and getting into a university and not being able to receive the kind of financial support that he may need. Recognizing that unless new legislation, new immigration laws are passed, he, he just won't have the same opportunities I had because I was born here. And so when I had a, a couple of opportunities this past year to, to join other Christians um, in our state, to, to reach out to our state representatives, to, to connect virtually with their staff and talk about immigration, I took those opportunities. I told them about my mentee. I told them about their story and just encouraged them to support policies that would just make a positive difference in his life and the life of his family. Service put me in proximity with my mentee's world and his challenges. And that's what service does. It puts us into proximity with the injustices of our community. And so when they lead us into close relationships, they're, they're going to challenge us. But we can trust that God is at work in our service, taking our imperfect service and forming it into so much more. So as I conclude, I'm going to invite the band up and, and just conclude with this. Jesus has invited us to serve. Follow him downward and journey with him toward his kingdom of service. And so we do so as a witness to who he is, what he's done, and what he's doing today. What would it look like for you, for us to take up this invitation? Maybe it looks like reflecting on your own experience with service, or maybe your experience receiving service. Maybe it means serving here at Bethany, joining the many service opportunities we have available. Maybe it means committing to serve in a less structured, formal way, um, serving your family, your spouse, your children, your roommates, your friends, maybe even your little neighbors. It may even just recognize you've been serving a lot lately in your work and your relationships and you just need to be in the season where you allow yourself to receive service. Whatever it is, I'd encourage you now to just reflect a bit on your relationship with service and what a faithful next step would look like. Remember, the goal isn't to just add service on top of the many things that we got going on in our life, rather to, to become people who reorient our lives so that we can become people who follow Jesus on a downward path of service. So my hope for this community is that in the midst of a culture that makes it increasingly difficult to serve the way Jesus intended, we can take up service as a witness to Christ in us, in our community and beyond. May we serve Jesus as Jesus first served us, as citizens of God's kingdom of service. Would you pray with me? God, thank you for, again, the invitation. Thank you, God, that you also give us the resources, the hope and inspiration to take up that invitation. May we serve not just as individuals, but recognizing we do so as a community, God. So may your spirit unite us and form us into a, a serving community. God, I'm so grateful for the many ways that we do that so well, Lord. May you give us clarity, guidance, encouragement for what that looks like in the season ahead, God. Thank you, God, for the ways that you have served us. May we respond with genuine gratitude and faithful service. In your name we pray, amen.